keep asking. God, that we can come back to your throne each and every time. We can boldly approach your throne with our petitions and our questions and our requests. God, that you do not get tired of us in your presence. Yes. At no time when we come to you, are you thinking to yourself, oh, it's this person again. God, each and every time we come into your presence, each and every time you call on your name, God, that you are right there. You are right there to accept us, to love us, and engage in us. It's not one time we ever come to you that you're busy. Not one time that we ever come to you that you're annoyed that we're there. But each and every time, the love of Christ just overwhelms each and every time we approach your throne, you are faithful, Lord God, to accept us as your own. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Yes, Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Each and every time. So God, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your kindness. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would remember, Lord, in our circumstances, that no matter what's happening, no matter what's going on, we can call on your name. And that you can help us overcome in that situation. So, God, I just, I speak overcome. I speak the power of Jesus' name into these sisters' lives now.
us that we all hurt and that we're all in pain. And if we don't take one cheeky plan, it's going to be very Thank you. 
is teaching to teach, is to encourage. They give encouragement, but it's giving the very generous statements that lead to a diligent way to show mercy and to cheerfully. Just as a reminder that Paul is writing to the church in Romans, and so there's a, a group of there's a group of Jews in Romans who are part of the church, but there's also a group of Gentiles, and Paul is doing his very, very best to get those two people groups to get along. In order for him to do that, he's got to do something that each of them have equally. So Paul says to them, this has nothing to do with you being a Jew. This has nothing to do with you being a Gentile. This has everything to do with the fact that God has given gifts to all of us, whether you're a Jew or whether you're a Gentile. So now they can't take what Paul is saying and say, okay, well, that's what Jewish people do, or this is what Gentile Christians do. He's saying to all of them. So none of them can take this idea of saying, well, because I'm this way, I don't have to do it that way. No, all of them have to listen to Paul at this point. They all have to listen to Paul. They all have to say, okay, these are gifts that God has given to the church. There are no advantages or disadvantages to you being Jewish or to you being Gentile. So Paul says this to them because he's trying to bring the church together. He's trying to, he's trying to tell them, this is how you can come together to work together so that you can all grow up in the faith. So this has nothing to do with your social standing. This is the amazing thing about the Spirit of God, that he doesn't care what you look like. He doesn't care how much money you make. He doesn't care what car you drive, what house that you have, where you grew up, what the color of your skin is. It has nothing to do with that. He just says to everybody, to the church, you have been given gifts inherently that God has given to you in order for you to build up the kingdom of God in order for you to be used so this has nothing to do with your social standing has nothing to do with your context or your upbringing so you've got to understand this when we talk about gifts this isn't okay. This, this type of people, they have these kind of gifts. And this type of people, they have these kind of gifts. Because often we do that. Often we put people in categories and say, this is what they do. But I want you to know that each of you have the opportunity or have inside of them these gifts that we're talking about. Today we're talking about the gift of encouraging. And you think to yourself, man, that doesn't sound like a very awesome gift. You know what I mean? Because sometimes we look at gifts like your cars. <laughs> I have the gift of a Hyundai Accent. 2001 manual windows. <laughs> right? Sometimes we do that. We look at gifts and we think that's the Cadillac. I mean, this person's got the Cadillac. They've got like a prophecy, they've got prophecy or apostolic. Past 20, so this is this is the this is the this is the Cadillac, this is the motorcycle, this is whatever, this is it, this is the awesome gift. And more, but then you know, I've got the gift of encouragement. I've got the one that where the windows don't roll down by themselves and there's rust around the bottoms, and it's it can be helpful at times, but it's not really fun to look at. Be careful that you don't do this about the gifts. Be careful when we don't read these gifts that you somehow apportion more significance to one than you do the other. And so we talk about encouraging today, and I'm going to let you know, honestly, how significant this gift can be, the gift of encouragement. So encouraging. So this word encourage, the Bible says in Romans, it says, if your gift was to encourage, then give encouragement. Pretty simple. 
In the, uh, in the King James or, the, or, or New American Standard Bible, those are different versions of the Bible, they would not use the word encouraging, they would use the word exhortation. If you have the gift of exhorting or exhortation. Okay, so they don't use the word encouraging, they use the word exhortation. And so what exhortation, that word comes from the Greek word, here comes some more Greek words. And uh, this one's called parakaleo. Parakaleo. To, it means to exhort or paraklesis. It has this, this Greek prefix in front of it that says para. The, the Greek prefix in para means to come alongside, to be beside, to, to physically be beside. To bring near. So this parakaleo means to bring near, to invoke, to exhort, to comfort, to console, consolation. We see this word as it's played out with, uh, do you remember Barnabas? Barnabas was, was, was the guy who, who hung around when Saul got first converted. Remember who Saul was? Remember who Paul was? He wrote the book of Romans. But before Paul was Paul, he was Saul. And when Saul was Saul, <laughs> Saul was no good. Saul used to throw Christians in, in, in the prison. He enjoyed it. He actually thought that's what God wanted him to do. And then Jesus met Saul on the road to Damascus and changed his life. But Saul was Saul. Like, and so Saul now went from being, are you a Christian? It's time to go to jail. To being, are you a Christian? Oh good, we can be brothers. But that must have been a rocky transition. I'm letting you know right now. It had to be a hard transition. It had to be a hard transition for Saul to go from persecuting to Christians to wanting Christians to help him. Oh, now we're on the same side. <laughs> it's like when my kids play hockey and we're playing another sport and the other team doesn't have enough players. And so they're just like, I say to my kids, I say, who wants to go on the other team? And they're just like, no, I don't want to go on the other team. <laughs> You're not on my team. I don't want to go on their team. You're not on my team. Why would I want to go on the other team? And so this is what happens. I can't imagine what it was like to be a Christian. If I'm a Christian and Saul was persecuting me and I was so afraid that if Saul came through the door, I'd be going to jail. Now when Saul comes through the door, I'm supposed to be happy. <laughs> so there was this time of transition where somebody to come alongside Saul and say, I will help you. I will encourage you. And that's Barnabas. I will console you. Because I bet you Saul went through a lot, or had a lot of mistakes, made a lot of mistakes, trying to figure out what it meant to serve Christ and to be an apostle of Christ and not have people run screaming from him in the opposite direction. That, there must have been a learning period, folks. You've got to understand, from the point that Saul got saved to the point of most of his public ministry was, was like a decade. He spent a ton of time with Barnabas at his side. There was some time he spent alone when Barnabas was there to speak for him. When Paul went to, to talk to the church about, uh, about some of the confusion amongst the church, Saul, Barnabas was writing to him. He was called the son of encouragement, the son of exhortation. And it's this example that we look to. There's a couple of places where we see parakaleo in the, New, in, the, in the New Testament. I'll give you a couple of verses. 2 Timothy 4 says, In the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead? 
And in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage. That word encourage is exhortation. That's parakaleo. He's, Paul's speaking to Timothy, so he's speaking to another pastor, another elder. <laughs> Titus chapter 1 verse 9 says this, he must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught. So if he can encourage others by the sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it, encourage, exhortation, parakaleo. Insert a blank slide. Both of these letters were to pastors, to, to leaders of churches, trying to convince them that in order for you to be an effective leader, and we're going to come back, because in order to be an effective leader, you have to encourage you have to exhort people. You have to console them. You have to. You have to be beside them in their darkest and weakest moment to encourage them. And then I came across this portion of scripture, and it's, it blew me away as I was looking into the Greek. And yes, I don't know everything about the Greek language. I have to learn. And so, First John chapter one, verse two. says this, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And you're just like, okay, where's that? In reality, this one advocate <coughs> is really the Greek word parakaleo. But in this context, because it's talking about a person, so it's a noun context, and so it's called paraclete. This word paraclete has often been connected to someone who's an advocate. And someone who's an advocate, we automatically connect to the person who is a lawyer. And so what we do in our English translation, we see how people, uh, the English translators, have translated this word paraclete and think to ourselves, advocate, lawyer. So we see this word advocate, we automatically think lawyer. But that's not what the Greek word is. The Greek word is paraclete. Is the encourager, their consoler. This is how it changes the verse. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But anyone, but if anybody does sin, we have an encourager to be beside us, to console us in our sin when we make mistakes. Is that the same thing as a lawyer? No, it's not. I mean, it'd be cool to have Jesus as my lawyer and preach that rough, but that's not what this verse is talking about. This verse is talking about that in the moments of our mistakes, in the moments of our weakness, we have a Paracelio, a paraclete, who stands beside us to console us, to help us, to encourage us, to help us pull us out of this dark moment of pain. To help us to move forward. And it's in this verse we see the image of Jesus 
where this gift comes out. When we talk about all the gifts, we acknowledge that Jesus has all the gifts that God has given to the church. He has every single one all wrapped up in his physical and, and spiritual form. He has gifted in everything. But as we look at this specific gift, we have an image of Christ in this verse. That Jesus was an encourager and exhorter, a paracalio, a paraclete. And so we have to look at this as not so much someone who speaks for you, but someone who stands beside you and encourages you to go forward. See the difference? These, this gift comes out in, in, a, in, in a very kind of bravado tone. This is like the um, Obama campaign uh, of Yes We Can. Do you remember Barack Obama is running for president and at all of his rallies are talking about, yes, we can. At the end, yes, we can. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. It was so encouraging, right? Because, like, what's discouraging about someone saying this? Right? Yes, we can. Yes, you can do this. Yes, we can do this. This is the gift of encouragement. It's not saying, and it goes beyond this little talk. It goes beyond this. Um, it goes beyond just a cheer. Because you can't console one. Again, the very form of the word talks about being beside. That it's important that we're actually beside a person when they're in their weakest point. And we don't do it from afar. Listen, you don't encourage someone from afar. You, you just, hey! I just wanted to encourage you. I really feel your pain. I know this is awful right now, but you can do it. No one does that. That's not how you encourage people. You need to be beside them. That's the, they, people don't want to be yelled at when they're in, in their dark moments. <laughs> you have to be beside them. You have to, you have to physically be there. That's what this word is meaning. And so when we see this gift, there has to be a willingness to do that. That's how this gift works. And it goes beyond small talk. This isn't just about how's it going. Hey, what's up? Probably, you probably get that question 30, 40 times a day. Hey, how's it going? How's it going? I have a hard time with people asking me, how's it going? I don't want to lie to them. I want to just pause and really give them the truth. They're like, how's it going? I'm like, I don't know yet. I don't, I don't have an answer for you. I don't, I just, I think it's going okay. But like, because it's, it's this question, how's it going? How's it going? It's not small talk. It's real talk. It's real conversations about real problems, about real issues, about real pains, about real hurts, about real mistakes. Being an encourager, being someone who has this gift goes beyond just small talk. It helps people to encourage they practically serve Christ. It applies the truths of, of religion. It helps people in those, in those moments. And here's how it works out, okay? Here's how it works out. Let's just say that you made a huge mistake. And you're feeling pretty bad. And in fact, you're dealing with the consequences of your sin. Dealing with the consequences of your mistake. And you're in such a dark place, you just know what to do. The encouraging gift comes along and says, you know what? You, you can get past this. You can get past this. Because your Bible says, I don't know what you're saying. The Bible says, I don't know what you're saying. The Bible says, 
Jesus is like a friend who sticks close to my brother. So that means that you don't have to stay in this dark place. You can move forward. What the encouraging gift reminds us of is the truth of God's word. And to now start making applications so that you don't stay where you are. The encouraging gift wants you to move from a dark place to a happy place. And that's what it's trying to do. That's a gift from God. It's a significant gift. And it stirs up the saints. It empowers others to succeed. And we know, we understand that in order to empower people, in order to, to bring people to a place of, of, of understanding that it's, it's better to do that by encouraging than to be discouraging. Right? The encouraging gift is not the one who comes along and says, no, your problems? <laughs> I know what's wrong. You need to do this. This is what you're doing wrong. The encouraging gift comes along and says, "Okay, you did something wrong. This is how you move forward." You see the difference? What does it look like when people with uh, encouraging or exhortation or the paracalio gift? Because <laughs> they usually know that a lot of times it can be motivational speakers. And you're thinking to yourself, Anthony about it. And people try to sell me things. Those are people with gifts and encouragement. They are. They do have those gifts. They're just using them to sell products. God didn't give them to use them to sell products. He gave them so that they would encourage people and encourage the body of Christ. And that's why He gives it to us so that we can encourage the body of Christ. A lot of times that's how it comes out. You've got motivational speakers who are so happy who said, you know what? You can do it. I've got a five-step process that says you can do this, 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 this. You don't get there. You get that They're kind of they're kind of cheerleaders, and they're usually end up people, people. Listen, you, know, you can't be an encourager and not, you know, and not get with people. Again, this is the beside. This is where the alarm side comes. You, you can't, like, you've got to want to be with people if you have this encouraging them. <laughs> They're people, people. That's just who they are. They just like being around people. They just they want to be around people all, all the time. But often these people can have the, the problem with this gift, the problem with having this gift is that often what happens is that these people who have this gift, they want you to come out of the dark place of your life so badly that they will often try and force you out of that place. And so they can be extremely persuasive and sometimes a bit bossy. Because it's not because they're trying to control you. It's just because they don't want you to be in a dark place anymore. Do you understand? They have this encouraging gift. It's not the trying to control you. It's just that they're so consumed because you're in this dark, dark place. And they want to take you. They want you out of that dark place because it's bad. <coughs> and they want to bring you into a happy place. Find a happy place. So they want to bring you to that place, but what happens is often they get a little bit overzealous, and they try and give a little bit too much advice. Sometimes you can come off as pushy. So you have to realize that this is not someone who's trying to control you. They're just consumed with getting you out of this bad, dark place that you're in right now. Do you understand? So just if you've got those people in your life, just have a little grace for them. And realize it's not because they're trying to control you. It's not because they're trying to make you do anything you don't want to do. They just don't like seeing you suffer. 
usually very positive people, but it's extremely important. This is why we need the gift of the church, and I'm wrapping up with this. I'm getting very close. I just got an eye from my wife, so don't worry. <laughs> Why do we need this gift? Why do we need the gift of encouraging? Why do we need the paracalio gift? Because sometimes people need to be motivated. There are some, pe there are some people who cannot pull themselves out of their dark places. There are some people, they just can't do it. Now, some of you who do that all the time think to yourself, Why not? Why can't they do it? Some people just do not have the gift that you do. They cannot pull themselves out of the dark place. They need someone with the encouraging gift to come alongside them and remind them of the truths of God's word, remind them of the extraordinary power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and remind them to say, you do not have to stay here. Because of these reasons. Sometimes we need to be motivated, and we need others to help us to be motivated. And when we make mistakes, when we do bad things, when we make wrong decisions to help us to move on from those decisions, move on from those mistakes, and help us to realize that really those mistakes are not going to destroy you because Christ hasn't abandoned you. And we need that reminder. We need, sometimes we all need motivation. We all need help to be encouraged. The church needs this because we all find ourselves in a dark place at time to time. Maybe you're perpetually living in a happy place. <clears throat> I don't know who you are, but that's amazing to me because it's not me. And I don't know if it's truly anybody else. I'm not, I'm not sure if there's truly anybody who never goes to the dark place. So at some point, all of us need this encouraging gift to be a part of our lives. And so we cannot make light of it. We cannot make light of this gift either. We cannot make light of the fact that someone who's in our church is coming up to us just to encourage us, just to say, hey, I think that you're doing this well. You know what? Sometimes what we do as Christians, we just be like, no, I suck. Like, I'm just horrible at this, and you're wrong. Like, I'm not taking that encouraging word. You need, listen, you need to know that the encouraging gift is at work in our church, and when it comes along and sticks its seat beside your seat, Quite honestly, the Spirit of God is trying to reach you. That God is providentially orchestrating the gifts of the church to work on your behalf. He's trying to reach you. But he always does it through people. So don't ignore it. Don't make light of it. And church, if you do have this gift, please know that it's extremely important that you function in this gift. That this is not the Hyundai accents of gifts. That it's extremely important that if you have something encouraging to say, you're just like, well, I don't know how to put it eloquently. I don't really have a scripture verse in it. It's not like this prophetic word from God. All I have for them is, I think you wrote this today. Say it. Speak it out because God has gifted you to encourage. And that may be the very word that they need to hear. They may just need the smiling face, the encouraging thing that needs to come because not one person has spoken anything encouraging to them all week long. If 
you have this gift, the Bible says then encourage. Then do it. Because I don't know about you, church, but there are millions of reasons to feel bad about yourself. Another reason we need this gift, because I believe it's the tool of sin to convince Christians that they are capable of moving on from their sin. I believe it is the tool of Satan to convince Christians that they are incapable of moving on from their mistakes and their sin. And that that's why God has the encouraging gift a part of the church, because it's that encouraging gift that reminds us that we are not destroyed in our sin. And we sing hallelujah. The Lamb's over. We sing hallelujah. The Lamb's over. We are reminded by the encouraging gift that when life seems darkest, that it's usually the enemy who's convincing us that it's dark. And that God is trying to bring light